Anyway, that's the kind of an update on our ministry. Take your Bibles, if you would, and uh, we're open to, to three places right now. I want to share um, a little bit of my testimony, my call, and a little bit of message kind of all wrapped, all wrapped into one. Um, so let's uh, go to uh, Galatians 1.15, put your finger there, and then put your finger in Jeremiah 1.5, and then uh, Isaiah 49.1. 49.1. <clears throat> You've heard this before. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You heard that? You know, about the time that I got saved, I heard that, I heard that a lot. Uh, okay, wonderful plan. I'm ready for that. I've sure made a mess of my life. Uh, I'm ready for that. <clears throat> you know, in a way, that sounds like somebody that's looking for their best life now. Um, <clears throat> but God really does have a wonderful plan. Um, in Acts chapter 9, Saul, after he was blinded on the road to Damascus, and uh, God told Ananias to go to him and uh, so he could recover his sight. And Ananias said, you know, I've heard about this guy. You know, he's <laughs> are you sure? almost like, are you sure you know what you're doing? And the uh, Lord told him, uh, he's a chosen vessel. He's a chosen vessel, and I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, that doesn't sound like a wonderful plan for his life, but, but it was. Paul would later go on to write this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I count, lo, counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And being found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Christ Jesus." Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> that was God's wonderful plan for Paul. Every missionary's strength, every missionary's power, every missionary's success, and yours too, comes not from what you do. It comes from your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a, uh, one of the military branches, I think it's the army, there's a slogan that says, be all you can be. I think that's the army. A Christian should say, be all that he can be in you. Be all that he can be in you. Our relationship with Christ is more important than our service. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus had sent out the 70, and they returned rejoicing that even the demons were uh, subject to their, to their name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book. Rejoice in your relationship, not in your service. So when does God's plan begin? Galatians 1.5. Let me get there. Excuse me, Galatians 1.15, sorry. 
Uh, Paul writes, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Over Jeremiah 1, uh, Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. <clears throat> and the one I like is uh, specifically in uh, Isaiah 49.1. Listen, O isles, and say, listen, Fiji, unto me. Hearken ye people from afar, the Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother he hath made mention of my name. So God's plan <clears throat> for your life and God's plan for my life, it starts early. <laughs> it, it starts early. For me, June 14th, 1954, 11.34 p.m., Herman Hospital, Houston, Texas. That's where God's plan for me began. I grew up here in Houston, went to Walter High School, grew up in the Oak Forest area off of 610 and 290. And my dad uh, instilled in me a passion for hunting and fishing. Uh, some of my earliest memories were hunting and fishing with my dad. I remember my very first duck hunt was in the, where the Old and Lost River goes into Trinity Bay. Um, <clears throat> I remember uh, going fishing with him in West uh, West Galveston Bay. Uh, he and a friend of his would wait fish. I was too small. I had to stay in the boat. Um, we had a hunting lease. We, we hunted doves on the west end of Galveston Island. It was a long, long time ago. Um, and this time of year, this time of year especially, <laughs> crappie fishing. We used to fish Lake Houston. I probably fished some of the same places you fished, Brother Roger. Uh, in Lucius Bio, we used to fish what was called Rock Golly. I looked it on the map. I couldn't find it. So it may be called something else right now. Uh, one of our favorite places to fish was uh, Birch Creek on Lake Somerville. Had a wide open bank, and you could walk that just with a cane pole and just, just have a good old time. So he installed in me a passion for hunting and fishing, um, but he didn't install in me much of a passion for the things of the Lord. But one thing I am very grateful for uh, that, that my parents did is they took me to church. They took me to church, uh, you know, almost every Sunday. I'm sure we probably missed some, but, uh, but I remember being there all the time. And I remember enjoying, uh, enjoying hearing stories about Christ. Uh, I even memorized John 3.16, and I probably memorized Romans uh, 6.23 as well. I believe that Christ died on the cross for my sins. I really did. <clears throat> and I thought I was a Christian because of that, but I never knew Jesus. Church, for me, it was more social and cultural than anything else. I had no convictions about it. I had no convictions about the gospel. And uh, back in those days in, in high school, your first job is typically retail or, or fast food, and, and there were blue laws back then where a lot of retail was closed on Sunday. My first job happened to be in fast food, and I had to work on Sundays, and that was it for church for me for the next 14, 15 years. Um, <clears throat> living in the world, but I always thought I was a Christian. I always thought I was a Christian. I never had any fear of going to hell because I thought I was saved. I thought I was a Christian. Here's, here's, here's what happened to me. Yeah, kind of a little segue here. There's a lot of talk out there right now about, about vaccinations. You know, this COVID-19 vaccine, uh, you know, do you take it? Do you not? Um, I don't know where you stand on vaccines. You know, there's some, some good research that shows that, uh, autism is connected to vaccines. Uh, wherever you fall on that is, is, is up to you. I'm not, not here really to discuss that. 
but what is the purpose of a vaccine? <clears throat> purpose of a vaccine is to give you a little bit of the disease <clears throat> so you don't catch the real thing. Now, there's, there may be some, some unknowns with regard to the COVID vaccine. It's, you know, long-term results, you know, nobody knows right now because they had not been around long enough. But there's a vaccine out there that is worse than any vaccine you've ever taken. The results of this vaccine are fatal 100% of the time. And that's a vaccination of religion. And that's what happened to me. I was vaccinated by religion. I had just a little bit, and I thought I was safe. I thought I was secure. It gives you peace of mind. It gives you a security, a false security, so you don't have any worry about catching the disease. You, you, <laughs> you can go mask-free. Uh, you don't have to worry about it. You've got, you've got complete freedom. And that's, uh, that's what happened to me. <clears throat> Praise the Lord, though, that in April of 1986, the vaccine failed. And when my life was falling apart, I knew enough because I had gone to church that I called upon the God that I thought I knew. And within a week, a track showed up on my front door, and that track gave great detail about the gospel. Your God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it showed, uh, it stated how Christ died for my sins according to the scripture, how he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And that if I would call upon him in repentance and in faith, that he would save me. So in, I'm pretty sure it was April 1986, I don't remember the date, <laughs> but uh, I did. Alone in my bedroom, I didn't have anybody around me just from that track. Uh, I asked Christ to come into my life and save me. And he did. I did and he did. The vaccination fell. And my circumstances didn't change a bit, not one single bit. Uh, my life was still a mess, but I, I tell you, I had a peace that things were going to be out, be okay. And uh, I immediately had a hunger for reading the Word of God. The only thing that I had at that time was a Revised Standard Version that I'd had from junior high school. And uh, I, I started looking through that, and I was struggling with that. So uh, I needed something easier to read. So what do you do? You go get an NIV. <laughs> I didn't know anything about the King James Bible. I didn't have anybody around me to, to show me anything. So I bought an NIV because it was easier to read. I didn't know anything about KGV, but I used that for, for over 15 years. I started looking for a church to get, uh, get part of. Uh, I went back to uh, the denomination that I'd grown up in, which is Presbyterian, and just didn't seem to fit right there. I even went to Unity Church of Christianity. If you know what that is, that's somewhere in southwest Houston. They, they worship in a pyramid. And a lot of warm fuzzies in there. A lot of, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. And I thought, yeah, God, you're not in here. And then, uh, then someone invited me to, to Second Baptist for a Sunday evening service. <clears throat> and I remember I went there, uh, I got there a little bit late, and they, uh, <clears throat> this was, I think they had just opened their new worship center. And I remember Pat Boone was there that night. And he was on stage singing and dancing, and my first thought when I walked in is, God, you're not here either. And so, so I left. But I met someone at a business function uh, several weeks later, and they were part of a Bible study class there at Second Baptist. And so they invited me into it, and I came and I joined, and uh, then I began to grow. 
in, in the Word of God. And, uh, you know, over, over there, if you have a pulse, they put you to work. And uh, so I got asked to be an assistant director of a Bible study class. And I was so introverted, I, I couldn't carry on a conversation with three people I didn't know. And I said, what do I have to do? And I said, you just have to make announcements when the director's not there. And how often is that? <laughs> Two or three times a year. And I, I hated it, but I knew God wanted me to do it, and I said yes. It was a miserable experience for me. And uh, the next year, they asked me to be the director full-time. Again, I said yes. And God used that along with growing in my relationship with Christ, where I got my identity from Christ, and the fear of man went away. I had a tremendous fear of man, tremendous fear. And that gradually went away. Ended up teaching uh, teaching Bible study there for, for several years. Uh, that's where I met my wife, Tamara. I substituted in her class, and uh, then we went back and forth, just kind of crossing, just saying hi to each other, didn't really have an opportunity to... Uh, to get to know each other. Um, and then we both signed up independently for a mission trip to Mexico. And uh, anyway, that <clears throat> that's what God used to knit our hearts together. So we went on that. I thought this was going to be a uh, teaching. It was supposed to be a teaching trip, a construction trip. And I thought everybody's going to be doing a little of everything. It turned out she and I were the only ones teaching. And so God used that to knit our hearts together. We were married 10 months later, and we got to go back to the same place the next year as husband and wife. And so that was a blessing. Hannah was born, uh, we got, <coughs> Hannah was born 18, uh, 18 months later. Our, our daughter Grace was born, um, 13 months after that. And, uh, we began to feel a little uneasy there. Where we were at uh, at Second Baptist, and we we had moved to Katy, and anyway, we ended up joining Tri County Baptist Church out there. It was my first exposure to a fundamental, independent King James only Baptist church, first exposure to the Faith Promise Mission. And the pastor there, he lovingly showed me that he didn't try to cram King James down my face, down my throat. He lovingly showed me the differences and let me make up my own mind. And I thought, you know, he's right. So God convicted me, and I put the NIV on the shelf. I started my own business in uh, 2006. I had to travel quite a bit. And because of that, I was gone for long periods of time. We started looking for uh, uh, to move our business to, to Tennessee, uh, mainly for its strategic location. I thought I could work in Chicago, St. Louis, D.C., down Atlanta, and still be back home uh, on the weekends. We looked for two years uh, for property. And, and I give you these details just so you'll know, God works in every detail of your life when you don't even know what he's doing. That's right. Amen. Um, we looked for a house for two years. Uh, we finally found a house that looked good enough. We took the whole family up to Tennessee. It was east of Knoxville. And uh, we knew right away this was not the house. The house that I wanted to look at uh, in Carthage, Tennessee, uh, was under contract. The contract failed it uh, had, had some problem, and the house popped back on the Internet the day before we were coming back to Houston. And I knew that if I'd come back, I wouldn't have gone back up there to look at the house. We diverted, <clears throat> went uh, you know three hours out of our way, looked at the house, liked it. I travel, I, I find churches on the Internet, and that's how we found Cornerstone Baptist Church on the Internet. 
So we visited there the next Sunday and uh, heard one message from Brother Ron, and we were in before we moved. <laughs> it, it worked out that, uh, you know, that we were able to, you know, sell the house here and buy the house, and we moved to Tennessee in 2012. From wall-to-wall subdivision to out in the country with two neighbors and half a mile. I loved it. Uh, my, and my roots started growing deep fast. And I, I thought I'd live there all my life. I wanted to. And then in 2015, you know, Cornerstone's a very, very mission-minded church. And in 2015, Jason Moore came through on his way to Fiji. Oh, that was a day. <laughs> and he started talking about Fiji. He told us about the Fiji Bible Project, where BIMI, um, BIMI had put uh, King James Bibles into all the public schools. It's, it was a, a three-year project that just finished it. So can you imagine putting the Bible in school here in America? It'd be amazing. He told me they were they were English speaking. So, oh, okay, that sounds pretty good. I didn't even know where Fiji was. I knew it was kind of somewhere down in the South Pacific. And then he told me that sixty six percent of indigenous Fijians they claim to be Methodist. Now this isn't a, this isn't a knock on the Methodist Church. A lot of denominations have watered down the gospel, and they're moving away from the truth. And what I saw there was a people that were vaccinated by religion. And there's only one antidote for that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Form of godliness, no power. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell Tamara. And, uh, but God's slowly working on my heart. <clears throat> and every message from the pulpit at that time, during that two, three-month period, seemed to have a theme of surrender. <clears throat> mm. After a few months, Tamara asked me uh, if I'd ever considered being a missionary anywhere. I found out she'd been praying for my heart with regard to missions for several months, and she didn't tell me. wasn't fair. And I said, well, there's maybe one place. And she got excited. And she started guessing. Every missionary that had been through there lately, <laughs> she started guessing. I said, no, you're guessing. I said, you tell me. I wanted God to confirm it through her. And uh, she couldn't remember the name of the place, but she said, is that place where they put all the Bibles in the schools? So we began to talk and pray about it, and uh, <clears throat> the messages of the surrender was still coming through. And finally, June 28, uh, 2015, Brother Ron was preaching out of Psalm 38. And in Psalm 38, the Lord is wearing David out. He is wearing him out because of his sin. And the Lord started wearing me out with regard to Fiji. Finally, in 38, verse 15, I believe it is, David says, I'm ready to halt. I give up. I surrender. I got to note my Bible. I know my Bible says, okay, Lord, I surrender. I'll go. And on the way out, I told Brother Ron, I said, I need to talk to you. And I was in his office the next day and um, I told him what God was working on my heart. And he just had a straight face and just said, wow. So we made arrangements for a survey trip. Uh, we went uh, just, well, my wife and I, we went at the end of October in early November of 2015. And I was there, for, uh, after two days I was there and I thought, Lord, what am I doing here? God still hadn't shown me what he wanted me to do. 
Yeah, I'd heard about Caratona Construction, and uh, we discovered there after a few days, though, that there was zero follow-up in the schools with regard to the Bible Project. Zero follow-up. We were able to talk to several school principals about character and construction, and they were very excited. Fiji took discipline out of the schools in 2000, and the character of their students was the number one problem that they had. So they were very excited about it. And the Lord made it very clear to me that he wanted me to go down uh, go down to Fiji and uh, take character under construction into the schools, uh, along with the creation science. So we uh, we came back, and I told Brother Ron I was ninety five percent sure that we were going to go. And uh, you know I was a hundred while before, but I was ninety five when we got back. And uh, you, you've heard the uh, expression of sitting on the fence, you know. And when you're sitting on the fence fifty fifty, that's a pretty comfortable place to be, you know, because you can go either way. You're you're you got you got some balance, you know. You go either way, it's okay. But when you're 95, picture this, you know, you're, you're leaning pretty hard to one side and you got to hold on really hard in the middle. <laughs> it's not a very comfortable place to be. 95% sure. Two weeks later, we were up at Bluegrass Pike at their missions conference and Brother Ron was preaching on Jonah, the reluctant prophet. I remember exactly where I was sitting. He said it was God's will for Jonah to rise and go to Nineveh. And the Holy Spirit said to me, it's God's will for you to rise and go to Fiji. Don't ever get over what God's done for you. Mm. So that night, 100%, we got off the fence. And what amazed me was the peace of God that came to me. There was absolutely no doubt, no regrets, no turning back. I didn't have it before I was 100%. I didn't have it at 95 I got it at 100. So we, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> went on deputation in 2000, uh, January 16, uh, sold our house, put everything in container, and we moved in 2017, uh, July of 2017. So been down there almost four years. Let me uh, try to wrap this up and look at, uh, God's Call this God's three calls. First call is to salvation. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, "Come to me, come unto me, not come unto the church. Come unto me, all ye that have are." Uh, I'm going to misquote here. All ye that are heavy with burdens, and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. I apologize for that. I should look it up. Second Peter three nine says that God is not willing for anyone to perish, that all would come to repentance. <clears throat> here's the problem, and here's what we tell the kids in Fiji, and it ties in with the message of creation. God created a perfect world. He put two perfect people in a perfect world, and they had complete freedom to do everything in the world they wanted to, anything in the world they wanted to except one thing. And God told them that the day you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden, you're going to die. You're going to die. In the beginning... God walked with Adam in the coolness of the day. We were created for fellowship. We were created for relationship. And then when Adam sinned, that fellowship was broken. Romans 5.12 says that just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, death is passed on to all men because all have sinned. So now, uh, now God's got a problem. 
He had the solution before the foundation of the world, but, you know, he's, he's got a problem. How do you reconcile the love of God that wants to have a relationship with you, with the <clears throat> holiness of God that can't even look upon sin, and the justice of God that demands that sin be paid for? How do you reconcile that? I pose that question to the kids in Fiji. Try to encourage them to think. How do you reconcile that? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Because of sin, every one of us are born spiritually dead. And if you look at, the, look at it like this, every one of us, when we are physically born, we are on the road to hell, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Nothing that you can do about it. You can't do anything. I can't do anything. Only Jesus Christ can do something about it. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. <laughs> and you go into you know, John chapter 3. Uh, Jesus told Nicodemus, I, Verily, verily, I tell you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born of flesh and uh, water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. And he says, as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know, that's got to be the craziest thing you ever heard of. Look at a snake in the desert and be healed. God had, you know, that sin, God sent snakes in there, they were killing people, and said, look at the snake and you'll live. Sounds crazy. But those that looked in faith lived. You know, everyone knows John 3.16. Yeah, everyone memorizes that, but... Most people don't realize what the verses after that say. <clears throat> For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, that the world, but the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. We don't go to hell because of our sin. We can get forgiveness for that sin through the blood of Christ. We go to hell because we reject the only means of salvation that God has offered. In uh, John chapter 6, they asked Christ, What work shall we do that we might do the works of God? And Jesus said, This is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. That's the only work that's required, is belief. There is nothing that I can do to earn my salvation. I can't pay for my own sin. It took a perfect sacrifice, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, to pay for your sins and for mine. Romans 10.9 says that... Excuse me. You confess, uh, you confess the Lord Jesus w- with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Romans 10, 13. All who call on the Lord shall be saved. In Matthew 28, 11, 28, excuse me. 
Again, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor or heavy burden, and I will give you rest. The bottom line is this. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 makes it very clearly. This is the record. God has given us eternal life, and his life, this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Question, do you have the Son or do you have religion? John 3.36 says that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. If you're not born again, the wrath of God is abiding on you, according to the word of God. So God's called to salvation, then called to service. Ephesians 2.10 says we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's after salvation. He's got a plan. He's got a work for us to do. He didn't save you. He didn't save me to sit and soak. Uh, he saved us to do the work. He gave you a pastor to train and equip you, Ephesians 4.11. It's not his job to get sinners in the church. It's his job to equip you and me to go out to where the sinners are with the truth. Second uh, Corinthians 5 says that we have been given the word of reconciliation. And we are ambassadors for Christ. It's our job to go out there. It's not the, not the pastor's job. So there's a call to service. And God has a special plan and a special service for each one of you and for me. And God wants you to surrender to that. He doesn't want your service, he, just your service. He wants your heart. And I'll tell you this. It's been my experience. You'll never find more joy in your life. More joy in your life than determining what God's specific plan is for you, surrendering to that, saying yes and doing it. You can be happy doing a lot of different things, but happiness is not joy. Joy will get you through the trials. Joy will get you through the lockdowns. So I'll leave you with a, with a conclusion and a challenge. 2 Corinthians uh, 13.5 says, examine yourself and make sure you're in the faith. Examine yourself. You know, some of the scariest verses to me in the Bible are Matthew 7.21-23, where uh, Jesus says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I know this is a millennial context, um, but it, the people there, they've got the cart before the horse. They're the people there that are bringing their service before salvation. They said, you know, I was a good church member. You know, I, I, I tithe, even gave the mission. I even went on a mission trip. You know, I'm a pretty good person. And that guy that just went in ahead of me, I know I'm better than him. They're bringing their works. They're bringing their comparison. <clears throat> and he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He calls what they think are good works iniquity. Iniquity. When you stand before the Lord, your righteousness, your good deeds, my good deeds are not going to be enough. As Isaiah 64 says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. The only way to stand is in the righteousness of Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21, yeah, 5.21 says, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's the only way. The only way. 
So examine yourself. Make sure you're in the faith. And secondly, if God is working on you for any particular work, for any particular thing, let me encourage you to say yes to that. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made. So, Pastor.